I never visited a zoo when I was a kid until I was 12 years old. I loved animals and nature ever since I was a very little kid. I always have. And that's why I've always loved yaoi's. It's not the chocolate that, that I cared for, it's the items inside because they're animals. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mr. A+. As some of you may know, I live south of Sydney on the south coast of New South Wales, the Illawarra. Right at the bottom of the south coast is a wildlife park called Bogo. And today we are lucky enough to be chatting with one of the zookeepers from the park, Chad Staples, known by his many fans as Zookeeper Chad. Welcome, Chad. Hey, mate, how are you? Thank you for, for being our guest today. No, happy to be. Thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, good. It's uh, getting cool down here on the south coast, but it's always nice here at the, at the wildlife park, so I, I can never complain. I can imagine that. I have always loved animals. Have you always had a passion for animals? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's funny, though. I wasn't one of those kids. Uh, so many kids, I suppose, after Steve Irwin, always uh, were the kids in the backyards catching the, the lizards and uh, doing that sort of stuff. That that wasn't me. I always had this real appreciation for them and enjoyed uh, watching, I suppose. I, I always loved zoos. I loved just being able to stand there and enjoy immersing myself in in their environments when they could, but yeah, ever since I was a kid. I've enjoyed that as well. I also am aware and also highly believe that wildlife needs to be respected and protected. Oh, at a, 100%. At all times. Yep, I do too. So that means you love animals just as much as I do. <laughs> Absolutely. If I don't even take a bullet for an animal. Well, yeah. I mean, I have some. I have some animals that I uh, have given my absolute life to. So, <laughs> I think I would say the same. So, do you consider that your life mission? I, I guess I think I'm one of the very, very lucky people in this world that gets to live their passion. Um, I was very fortunate to, uh, you know, have a have a passion in life to begin with, and that that's obviously animals and caring for them. But then to have been able to make it my career, I, I consider myself very, very blessed. Wow. In fact, animals are one of my top three passions. Okay. What are the other two? Railways and acting. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Well, animals are definitely my number one. That makes two of us. So, how did you become a zookeeper? Uh, look, it was very different uh, when I started than what it is now. I've been a zookeeper now for for over 25 years. And so I was very fortunate that I, I got my start straight out of high school. I didn't even finish high school. I started before, you know, the end of year 12 would have been. I, I didn't give what I should have to, to my learning and uh, started work and then was very fortunate to get myself an interview at Featherdale Wildlife Park and then get a second interview and started that way and started as a, as a casual zookeeper, but within a month, I was put on full time because I think I just showed an attitude and aptitude for it. And yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. That is impressive. Did you require qualifications? Then it wasn't a requirement to start. Um, I've since done, uh, I think, five different TAFE courses, um, did various short diploma courses and started a couple of degrees, but 
never completed them because a lot of them in animal science are still more around, I guess, the the science of animals, the study of animals, the research of animals, not so much catered towards what you would class as animal husbandry or the, or the care of, of captive species. So I've been very fortunate that most of my knowledge has come from zoo mentors and letting the animals teach me. But nowadays, those those degrees and courses are almost a must-do before you can even get a look in. Mm. What kind of animals does the wildlife park have? Uh, well, I'm actually fortunate enough to steward the collections of three wildlife parks. So Featherdale Wildlife Park, which is in Western Sydney, which is a collection of all Australian animals, actually the largest collection of Australian animals anywhere in the world. Mogo, which is obviously in your neck of the woods, which is basically all species from around the world. You know, it's almost 100% exotics. And then Hunter Valley Wildlife Park, which is almost a a 50-50 split of Australian and exotic. So there's a lot of animals, a lot of personalities that I get to interact with. Wow. So the Featherdale um, Wildlife Park has has only Australian animals. Only Australian animals, but you're talking about 250 to 300 species and, you know, around 2,000 individuals. So it's a massive, diverse and exciting collection. You know, there's there's animals within the collection that are held uh, that are nowhere else. So... We're very, very popular with international visitors to Australia. Wow. No better place to see see the cool Australian animals. Yeah, the only place in the world where you can find them. That's right, some of them. Do you have favourites? Uh, you're not supposed to have favourites, but I do for sure. My absolute favourite has got to be uh, Margie, the lion cub, who calls Mogo home. Um, I hand-raised her about, it's almost 18 months ago now. And she's my absolute baby. Wow. So I guess she, she'd be considered like part of the family now. Yeah. It, I mean, it started as a pretty sad story. Her her mum passed away during childbirth. So oh. I had to hand raise Margie from, from two hours old. So, yeah, I didn't spend a night away from her for, for six months, for her first six months. We were just, I was her mum. And so because of that, we've got a an amazing bond. <laughs> and... You know, even now that she's this huge 100 kilo, you know, developing lioness, she's still my baby. And yeah, I, I adore her. Ah, so, you're kind of, so you're very much like a father to her. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm part of the family. That's right. <laughs> That's very touching. What are you most proud of at the Mogo Zoo? There's a, an amazing group of people that work here at Mogo. I think anyone who works in this industry... It, it's not a job, but it is like with me. It's it's a passion. You're doing it because you love animals. You don't do it because you want to get rich. And so there's just an extremely dedicated group of professionals that care for the animals here. And that's what I'm most proud of. The, the work they do day in, day out, no matter what the weather, no matter what the time of year, to make sure that the animals come first always. Doing what they can to keep the animals safe and protected. Absolutely. Even though I've heard that... It's kind of cruel to keep an animal in a cage, but with zoos, it's kind of different because zoos are to keep animals safe, safe from things like deforestation and hunters, poachers, smugglers, and even illegal loggers. 
Yeah, look, the modern day zoos and wildlife parks, our, our role in conservation is to conserve a genetic population of whatever species we're talking about so that if one day the wild is a safer place for them, that potentially we'll be able to put them back. We don't just keep animals in cages. You know, thankfully our, our industry has changed so much over the last, you know, 100 years or so where it, it used to just be concrete and steel, whereas now we try to build fully immersive habitats for the animals that call our parks home. Um, and above all else, their welfare comes first, whether it be their physical, their mental or emotional well-being, that's what comes first. And with that mindset, we truly believe that we, we give those individuals an amazing life that they want for nothing. Wow. It also reminds me, when you, when you just mentioned that um, back in the past, um, zoos were made of um, concrete and steel bars. That sounds more like a penitentiary. I mean, every industry has got uh, a history, I suppose, and, and so does the zoos. For a lot of time, keeping animals was more to do with entertainment for people and collections <sighs> were made almost like a, a stamp collection where it was just important to have two of everything, whereas that's, that's not what we're about. Um, <sighs> wildlife parks now are about enjoyment. Exactly. Uh, creating creating those spaces where animals and people enjoy encounters together as long as the animals are choosing to do so. That's good. That's what I also believe. Zoos should never, uh, not to provide entertainment, but they're for, for ed educational purposes, conservation for the animals' well-being and their health, and also keeping them safe from all the nasty evil threats that that humans can pose towards animals and their habitats. Sure. I, I, I do think a very undervalued aspect of them, though, is, you know, children, you know, like, like what I did, and I don't know if it was like with you, but, you know, I fell in love with nature and animals because of zoos, uh, being able to enjoy watching, being able to enjoy being around. You know, people and animals have got a connection and it's something that can be fostered during a visit to a good wildlife park that puts animals first. Yeah. I never visited a zoo when I was a kid until I was 12 years old. I loved animals and nature ever since I was a very little kid. I always yep. have. And that's why I've always loved yaoi's, if you're familiar with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. It's not the chocolate that I cared for. It's the items inside because they're animals. Absolutely. And I've loved collecting collecting them ever since. Yeah. They were all Australian to begin with, I think. Can you tell us about the feeding times and how you use these during lockdowns to bring joy to others? Uh, sure. So while we were in lockdown, uh, I guess we, because we were closed, no one could come, but zookeepers and animal attendants were classed as frontline workers because we had to keep working. So there was no lockdown if you're a, an animal care provider because they they can't do without us. So what we tried to do, because we were, had to have our, our doors closed essentially, is I guess we pivoted to, I mean, like what we're doing now is is via social media and, and you know, real media, 
trying to invite people in while they're stuck at home. So we started to do lots of things online uh, to give people an escape from their lounge rooms. So we used videos of feeding times and behavioural enrichment activities, uh, fun sort of play times with the animals and even just the day-to-day job tasks. And we found a a lot of positive uh, feedback from people that watched that because it was a real escape from just being trapped at home. So it was good. That was very kind and very... um inspiring to do and there's a reason why i mentioned the word lockdown in a dreaded tone it's because um my podcast has a strict no covert talk policy oh okay that's good so i implore the audience to forgive me for mentioning that word i actually (laughs) hate using it what happened during the 2019 bushfires which were all around the area that the wildlife park was in yeah that was a a pretty tough time, to be honest. Something that I certainly hope we don't have to go through again. Like so many places around Australia, it was it was a, the end of a very horrible drought, and we had a an insane fire season, and it 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 really devastated the south coast, as along with lots of other places around Australia. And thankfully, due to obviously I was still here because I've got a I live on site, but fourteen other very brave, devoted keepers here that came in on that day rather than you know staying at home or, or running to the beach they came here and we managed to protect Mogo Wildlife Park and if it hadn't have been for the effort of every single one of them we would have we would have lost it because the entire region around the park was devastated it, it looked like an absolute apocalypse but because of that effort not a single animal was hurt not a single animal needed even to be treated for smoke inhalation or a, or a sunburn. So it was a huge credit to the effort. But a very, very scary time. I'm actually really proud of your team for risking their lives to protect the animals from these fires. And therefore, I bow my head to them in respect. One animal lover to another. Mate, they were amazing. Therefore, you and your team will always have my utmost respect. Oh, thank you. I would do anything to keep animals safe as well. I'm the same. It was a, a decision not made easily, but I'd do it again if I had to. Um, I'd do it again and again. Yes, I can imagine. Was the zoo affected and were the animals? The grounds itself, I suppose, yes. Uh, we lost the perimeter fence around the entire zoo, basically. Oh. We actually, the morning of, so it was uh, December 31st, so New Year's Eve, um, there were quite a few exhibits that we knew were going to be under, you know, immense threat throughout that day. So there were about 20 animals that we actually caught up in the morning and put into their sort of pet pack travel enclosures and moved them into the kitchen in my house, gave them food, gave them water, keep them separate, just because we knew that if their enclosures were ever hit with fire, it would have been too difficult then. Yeah. Um, but yes, the fire, if, if we hadn't have been here, it was gone. You know, we were... That day was, was extraordinary. We didn't really get a break until about 10 o'clock that night, but we were still putting out spot fires on the property for five days. It just was <sighs> insatiable. Yes, I know. Australia Australia can be a very dry continent. <laughs> it sure can. Not that you'd know it now from all the rain we have. Yeah, but it keeps the ground moist. <laughs> That's true. We're not worried about fire right now. No, 
Not to mention no water restrictions either. Exactly right. gorilla there? I have four gorillas here. Wow. And what species are they? Uh, Western lowlands. I knew it. <laughs> they So within, within our region, so Australasia, that's the only uh, subspecies of gorilla that's kept. Um, for genetic reasons, we focus on them as a region. And so, uh, yeah, we have a, a very happy family group. Um, that will hopefully be growing in the in the near future. I would love to see that. Um, the Western Lowland Gorilla, that's an endangered species, isn't it? Yes. Look, to be honest, there aren't too many species that don't fall into a, a category of at least threatened these days because of all, all the impacts that we're putting on them. Yes, I know. I feel so bad for these for these poor animals. I feel I feel pre disgusted by the by the fact that there's Habitats are getting destroyed to make room to make room for for farms and apartment buildings. It just sickens me. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, we've got a we're a smart species. We should be able to figure out ways to not push them out so that we can come in. There, there should be the ability to. I don't know. Humans need to learn that we're part of an ecosystem, not the the yes. dominant force. And. If we could live amongst them, that would be ideal. Yes, but, it would. Yeah, we, we don't do that well at the moment. Yes, I know. It's really sickening, isn't it? Anyway, um, can you tell us about the conservation elements of the park and what sure. you're doing to promote it? Yeah, look, conservation, I mean, it's a very broad term that's thrown around very casually these days. Uh, I think you even mentioned it. One of the real ways that zoos and wildlife parks aid conservation now is through education. You know, if if we can show people animals from all over the world, whether it's through a sign or some sort of of talk or uh, an interactive video or something about the plight that animals are under and maybe the impact that people can have with decisions they make, then we can really hopefully impact change. Conservation as far as uh, breeding and putting animals back into the wild does happen, but it is it is a very small percentage of what we're able to do because for the most part, the reasons why animals are endangered or threatened is like you were saying, it, it, it's loss of habitat. And we don't really control that. that. That is government. They're the ones that control land use within you know any country around the world. And so all we can do is hopefully conserve species, conserve genetics of species so that if there is habitat for them, we can put them back. Yes, of course. Even though I'm a, I, I'm a huge animal lover, I'm particularly scared of spiders. <laughs> yep. The, especially the large hairy ones. Yeah, I, I think that's fairly common. I don't think you're alone in that. It even, even Aragog from Harry Potter frightens me. <laughs> Okay. There's something almost primal about it. People have that and, and snakes. It's very common. I need to ask you this. What can we do sure. to save koalas and other wonderful endangered animals around the world? Look, as, a, as an individual, we just went through a, a federal election phase in Australia, obviously. 
that's the time when people can have the most impact by putting it on their elected officials that koalas and nature are important to them and that it would sway their vote if a candidate would propose change that would benefit them. There's obviously then small things that we can do all the time around waste and food and things, but yeah. I also wanted to give you a gentle reminder that my podcast also has a strict no political talk policy. <laughs> sure. Well, that's the, the big thing. It doesn't matter what side of politics you are. They're our elected officials and they can make change. Whenever I voted, I only vote for the Animal Justice Party. In fact, if anybody's ever going to make any impact on the world to save animals and to aid conservation, it's people like you, me, my dad, and even two women in America, actress Elaine Hendricks and former actress and animal rights activist, Pamela Furden. Mate, there's a lot of really strong advocates all around the world for animals. You know, we look, animals hold a very special place in, in, in so many people's hearts. And if, and if you did show them how they could help, I'm sure they would. Um, but people can feel quite, quite powerless, but there are things you can do, like you said. At the Featherdale Wildlife Park and Mogo Zoo, are there any unique species that we haven't even heard of? <laughs> Probably. Um, I guess it depends how animal literate you are as to the species that you would know. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to find an Australian that could name 250 different species of Australian animal. So I'd say there's a lot that people don't know. That's quite a tough one. <laughs> what number do you think you'd get to? I don't know. With Australian animals, I can only list the following. Kangaroos, <laughs> wallabies, emus, koalas... Echidnas, wombats, platypuses, Tasmanian devils, quolls, um, dingoes, kookaburras, rainbow lorikeets, rosellas, galahs, sulfur-crested cockatoos, magpies, pelicans. Um, You're slowing down. That's probably only about 30. 30 species. <laughs> one, of the, one of the really cool things about Australia is our diversity of birds. And they are very underappreciated, even by animal lovers. And we are, we are blessed in this, in this country to have some of the most amazing bird species there are. Um, and that's one thing that Featherdale has always been really proud of, is, is that diversity within the, the avian collection. So if ever you're up in Western Sydney, I'm sure you'd love it. I'm absolutely certain that I would. In fact, I haven't been to a zoo in years, which is disappointing. <laughs> oh, I've got to ask you this question. On your Instagram, you have many videos playing with lions and other big animals. Yep. Are, you, are you ever scared when you do it? Uh, look, it's not lions, plural. It's just one lioness, and that's Margie, who I was telling you about uh, so yeah she's she's a big girl now she's she'd be over 100 kilos no i'm not scared of her because uh we've got an amazing bond um it's not like anyone could do that and it's not necessarily that i'll be able to do it forever but i'm not a i'm not a cowboy when it comes to being around animals i don't i don't push boundaries i believe in a shared trust i suppose uh, if I've had a lot of positive encounters with species over a long period of time, 
it's like you have an, an account with animals that you've both paid into and it allows you access. Um, I'm very fortunate. I've been doing this a long time and I, I, I'm certainly no expert, but I know a lot about animal behavior and I can read signs and understand that animals have personalities. They have good and bad days too. And you don't ever push them to do anything they don't want to do. Absolutely not. You sound like you have a lot of respect for these animals. I'm impressed. I'm a true animal lover. I, I, yeah, like you were saying, I'd, I'd do anything for them. And yeah, I feel very privileged to, to live this life. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Those videos playing with lions and other big animals. Um, yep. Do you ever worry that something may go wrong? Uh, yeah. And look, I mean, even Margie's hurt me, but not intentionally. She's, she's a big oh. cat. She's She's got, I've got a couple of war wounds from her when she's just been wrestling me and <laughs> you come out of it a bit sore. But uh, I guess that's just the understanding of the the animal you're with. I don't do anything silly. We have, we have a rhinoceros here at, at Mogo called Jabari. And oh. he is one of the most amazing animals on on this planet um he's two and a half thousand kilos wow. he will play with giant tires like they're a like he's a dog with a ball i can i interact with him i pat him i scratch him he leans into it like he wants to be touched but i don't go on the other side of the barrier now even though i i don't fear that he would want to hurt me He's two and a half thousand kilos, which means even if he didn't want to, he could. And yeah. I would hate for that to happen for for him or for me. Yeah. So I don't just I don't blindly have interactions with animals that that go beyond what I, I believe is a controlled interaction. That's good. What kind of species is Jabari? A southern white rhino. Oh, are they found in India? No, Southern White's uh, an African. Species. Oh, yes, that's right. They're actually more common than the Northern White rhinoceros. Yeah, well, Northern White's uh, one of the most endangered species on the planet. Yes. From what I've read on Wikipedia, there's only two of them left in the world, and they're both female. Yeah. But the good news is they're protected <laughs> round the clock by armed guards. That's true. And... I've been to an amazing facility in the in the US that is totally devoted to rhinoceros research and they are very focused on hopefully via artificial insemination and some very amazing DNA work that's being done to potentially bring back other northerns but with those low numbers we're never going to see herds of them back in Africa it's just fanciful Oh, but no. maybe we maybe we won't lose them. Hope not. There's some amazing people doing some some work that just blows your mind around the world. That's good. Uh, there's very intelligent people that have devoted themselves to some pretty pretty important causes. Yeah, at least at least there are some people in this world that have a heart large enough to to devote themselves to the conservation of animals. Very true. And I give them my my full respect too. Also, I couldn't help but notice, Chad, that while we've been talking, I've noticed some monkeys mo moving around in the background. <laughs> well, I didn't think you'd just want me to sit in my office and do this this podcast. I thought that I'm better off uh, 
showing off some of the amazing species we have. So what you're actually looking at are silvery gibbons. Oh. So silvery gibbons are a very endangered species of primate. Oh, um, there's only two institutes in Australia that currently are breeding them, and Mogo is one of them. And I don't know if you've seen, but we have a little baby in there with its mum, and so our breeding program is going very well. But they're a very intelligent species. Gibbons are just, they're very cool. Uh, primates continually blow me away, but yeah, it, it is a program that I'm very proud to be part of. Mm. One primate that you should maybe consider in one of your wildlife parks is maybe a mandrill. Yep, very spectacular. It, yep. It's one of those things. One of the things that uh, I guess zoo mentality used to be is that you try to have two of everything. It was it was that stamp collection mentality where it was the more the merrier sort of thing. Whereas now, what a what a sophisticated institute will try to do is to to look where you are in the natural landscape and look at species that you can do well. You can't do everything, and then as a community, we have a greater impact. So. There are animals that I would love to work with one day and to be and to be part of the conservation, the breeding, the educational. But unfortunately, we can't do everything at once. No, nah, of course. But I also tell you this: keep up, keep up all the good work you and your team have been doing. I appreciate that. Thank you. Never give up. Now, I believe that we're on to our Ask Mystery Plus segment. The Ask Mystery Plus segment is a segment towards the end of the podcast where the guest gets op- the opportunity to ask me questions, anything that comes to mind. Okay. I get to be the interviewer, do I? Yeah, I guess you can say that. I- I've been very pleased to hear, I guess, your love of animals. I always appreciate that in, a- in another individual. What is it that has drawn you to animals? Because I feel like there's almost a-, a larger draw there than there is to people. Okay, I'll, I'll explain why. Animals are far more well-behaved than humans. <laughs> they only hunt other animals just for food, not for pleasure. And if they're not hunting for food, they leave them alone. And they don't have any responsibilities. All they have to do is just survive and stay stay away from hunters and poachers. Do you have a favourite? Yep. My top two favourite animals would be lions and tigers. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. It's because they're the biggest cats in the world because they're apex predators and because of their majestic status. I also love lions and I'm very fortunate to have a very affectionate lioness in my life. So um, one day you'll have to come down and meet her. She's, She's one in a million. Yeah. In any of your wildlife parks, do you have tigers? Yep, sure do. Here at Mogo, we have three. Siberian tigers or Bengal tigers? No, there's no Siberian tigers in Australia. So we have two Sumatrans and one tiger whose parents were, he's a, he's a, he's a mixed species. So he's a cross Bengal, cross Sumatran. Oh, I've also noticed that a lot of the um, native wildlife to Sumatra are quite endangered. It's all to do with deforestation. Of course. They're very rich in in animal life there. But unfortunately, yes, there are significant pressures on them. How devastating. Oh, um, and do you happen to have any other questions for me? 
How long have you been doing the podcast? I've been doing it since last year. Okay. And are you meeting lots of interesting people? Yeah, I definitely have. <laughs> Everyone's got a good story. Yeah. Aside from entertaining people on the podcast, I also like to educate them about my passions as well. Well, I think entertainment that, uh, without even knowing educates you is the best way. Oh, that's one way of putting it. In fact, I never really saw it that way. Slide in a little education to your entertainment. People will never know. Yeah, of course. As always. Do you have any other questions? No, that was, that was all I needed to know. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for chatting me with, with me today, Chad, about our passion for animals and conservation today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for, for sharing your love of animals with me, another animal lover. <laughs> Thank you, mate. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you.